everyone to another episode of can you dig it a podcast by the silver screen and roll network i'm one of your hosts as always jacob rude and i am joined by hani amadian the lakers won it is a rare feat to see uh in the 22 2022-23 season but boy uh if there's a team that's in worse shape right now than the lakers it might be the brooklyn nets uh hani who uh, who is in worse shape right now, the Lakers or the Nets? Because both teams seem in a horrible spot. Yeah, uh, I don't want to answer that question because it's very depressing. Uh, <laughs> I will say, I, I think it's hilarious that the Nets went on a winning streak as soon as Kyrie got suspended. Uh, would have been willing to to give them another win just for the humor in that. But I am glad that the Lakers won, and I am glad that well, some of the off-court stuff, let's just call it that. With the Nets, I do not have to deal with as much. So we'll say the Nets are in worse shape, even if they're technically probably a better team. I, too, am happy we did not have to discuss that. Uh, a peek behind the curtain is last week. Uh, we realized, I believe after recording, that technically this was the first game Kyrie could have come back from his suspension. Does not sound like he is necessarily close to returning but yes uh thank heavens we were able to focus on the basketball tonight albeit without lebron james um although darvin ham interestingly said uh before the game there was a little bit of precautionary reasoning to holding out lebron because the lakers are basically going into a bye week they have five days off now before their next game uh, so maybe LeBron is, I mean, I don't know about you. When I watched him limp off the court on Wednesday, I was having flashbacks to the Warriors Christmas Day game, thinking the worst. Uh, but the Lakers were able to win on Sunday because AD was an absolute monster. 37 points, 18 rebounds, and as only AD can do, after the game, cited his motivation being an Aaron Rodgers slant pass to Alan Lazard for uh, helping the Packers win, giving him the motivation for his 40 and 20 game. Uh, what AD is one of one, man. What did you think of his performance on Sunday? I think uh, the best way you could ever describe AD as a person and an athlete is just telling everybody that he is a Chicago-born person who is a diehard Packers fan. <laughs> that just says everything you need to know about him. Uh, no, AD was was amazing tonight. I think um, he he's had a really great season overall, I would say, but uh, there has been some frustration, especially recently, with uh, him not kind of taking his performances into the second half, not even necessarily – uh, not shooting well or something like that, but just not getting shots up, just se- seemingly kind of getting lost uh, on the floor and not having an impact that you would expect a guy like uh, Anthony Davis have. Today was the opposite of that. He started the game out hot. He continued it throughout the entire game. Um, 
And I I just loved the way that he was playing, and I loved the way that the Lakers were finding him for the most part. Uh, he took, what, uh, 25 shots tonight? Only two of them were jumpers, and he made both of them. But uh, I just love the fact that he was in the paint the entire night against a pretty small uh, Brooklyn Nets team that got even smaller when they clocked someone out in the second half and didn't come back. Um, yeah, he just he took every advantage that he could against the Nets, uh, and I love that. Um, I don't think this is a, the, a performance that we would expect against most teams because the Nets were just atrocious defensively tonight, and they kind of let the Lakers get whatever they wanted for the most part. Um, but it's still, you know, credit given to AD for taking advantage of that. I'm a little upset because I forgot that the just how bad the Nets were at stopping teams from getting rebounds. Uh, for those of you that have read my uh, DraftKings betting post, there's my shameless plug of the night. Uh, I I had targeted that before, and this team is the worst. The Nets, uh, they I will have to double check as I talk, but they were the worst team in the league at, uh, keeping opponents off the glass for offensive rebounds. AD's 18 rebounds tonight, 10 of them were offensive rebounds, which is just wild, a wild way to split those up. Um, so dominant. And to a to the point you were talking about, I will also say I've looked this up before because I wanted it to be a thing. There is unfortunately is no correlation between Packers winning and losing and AD playing well or poorly on Sundays. Um, You do not know how much I wanted that to be a story because that would have been absolutely hilarious. It is not a thing though, but um, the discussion around Anthony Davis predating even this year has just been toxic almost like it's not fun to really partake in. And I think, I think this year it, there's just been a lot of focus on him when there's a lot of problems with this team. Like, yeah, you maybe want more out of him. Um, I'd argue on a lot of nights, there probably isn't a lot more you're going to get out of him. I, I think he's played really well most nights, but there on most nights, um, it really wouldn't have mattered how well he played. This team is just really bad and flawed in a lot of ways. And so I think there's been at times too much focus on Anthony Davis. And but tonight, I mean, he was dominant and in a lot of ways showed why there probably is a lot of focus on him and wanting him to uh, play better. The Nets have been a little bit better. They rank 25th in opponent offensive rebounds. Um, They are a terrible rebounding team, though. And so uh, they, AD took advantage of that. And he, there's been a lot of, I will say, I wish he would do more in the second half and fourth quarters. I didn't have to worry about that on. Sunday because he put that game away uh, with his putbacks. The as you, Nick Claxton not coming back basically ended any chance of them uh, being able to go on a run, and because 
when Kevin Durant had to guard, guard quotation marks, AD late, uh, there wasn't a lot he could do to keep him off the glass. So uh, huge performance from him. The Lakers need that. We'll see if LeBron is back on Sunday or excuse me, Friday. Um, it is, I, I couldn't believe it when I looked at the schedule. I don't know how the Lakers go an entire week without a game. Um, it, it's okay. a really weird quirk. I don't know if something's going on at Staples Center or, excuse me, crypto. It might be back to Staples Center soon because crypto <laughs> is losing money left and right. Um, but I don't know if something's going on there or what, what that is. But, yeah, the Lakers will be off till Friday. Starting lineup change on um, – Sunday saw Austin Reeves enter the lineup. What'd you make of his performance? I loved it. Um, that's two straight games. I think where Austin has uh, not only done the, you know, the, the little things that he t- typically gets credit for, but he's been very aggressive with finding his own shot. Um, and I, I really love that because um, I, I think you can see he's made a lot of strides as a ball handler and somebody that can kind of, uh, uh, sort of freeze defenses and pick and roll situations and get guys on his hips and take pull-up jumpers. And he's doing that a lot more in these last two games. He had 19 against uh, the Kings on Friday. Um, he had another 15 tonight on eight shots, uh, made, uh, what was it, two out of three threes, I believe. Um, yeah, just super aggressive, uh, doing a lot of great things. That pass he made to Lonnie Walker late in the game where he, like, I don't know if he switched hands or what, but he just like froze everybody where it looked like he was going to go to the corner. Everybody expects that. And then he has a left-handed wraparound pass like to the top of the key while he's driving baseline. It was insane. Um, one of the craziest things I've ever seen, actually. That was that was wild. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really appreciating his game. I think he has definitely made the case um, and – you know, if it was up to me, uh, he's made the case to be a fixture in the starting lineup, regardless of, you know, LeBron and AD playing or not. Um, the other thing with Austin to me is that like, he, uh, he seems to fit in any sort of lineup that you put out there. Like he will adjust his game to whatever you need. If, if you need him to handle the ball a little bit more, you can do that now. If you need him to just kind of stay in the corner and, and be ready to take threes, he can do that. Um, that makes them super versatile for this team as they're, you know, still trying to figure out what lineups work and don't work. Spoiler alert, most of them don't work. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I've just been super impressed with his growth and, and his confidence this year, um, and especially these last couple games. There's a number of things he's been doing that I think further add to the – case of him being a starter he's handled the ball a lot more this season in general and Mm -hmm. especially tonight with LeBron out there was a lot more ball handling for him and as you said that I that pass he made was I tweeted about it that was one of the wildest passes I've seen in some time I I don't know how he pulled it off but um I mean I I've I wrote this during the summer. He said he was open to more ball handling duties. Um, 
coming into the season, that was the role he played in college. So like there's a comfort level to it. Uh, He had one play as well in the fourth quarter where he just kind of drove to the elbow and just pulled up and knocked down a jumper and that it looks smooth as well. And so those types of things um, as much as anything that I think will kind of help him get in the lineup, being a guy that can create a shot at times, get to the rim But as you said, he can be whatever the Lakers have needed him to be. Like on Sunday, they needed him to be a bit more aggressive offensively and uh, look for his shot. He had 15 points, five of eight shooting, uh, had a couple of assists, but knocked down three of his four threes. He's still uh, Matt Ryan's first on the team in three-point percentage, not shocking. He's second at 36.1. So he's still... um, improving and looking good as a three-point shooter. Um, and But when LeBron's in there, when AD's in there, he can be more that glue guy, that connecting piece that makes the extra pass, does the dirty work, gets the rebounds, turnovers, steals, whatever it is, He's he can be that guy. So I, it's really hard to keep him out of the starting lineup. I don't think that they're going to bench Patrick Beverly. He actually played all right on Sunday. Um, five assists, four rebounds, um, and defended Durant well enough, uh, as good as anybody can really defend Durant. Um, but Reeves, I I think is someone that he's going to continue to see a lot of minutes. And this is a kind of competition that's good, uh, because it's going to push guys like Pat Bev, Troy Brown, Lonnie Walker to keep playing well on that note. Lonnie Walker continues to be incredible. I I was so wrong on on the Lonnie Walker signing. I will happily admit it. 25 points, 9 of 15 shooting, 4 of 5 from 3. Reeves and Walker go 7 of 9 from 3. You'll take that any day of the week. Uh, I I feel like I've asked this in a way before, but how impressive has Lonnie been this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same way as you. I, I was not super impressed with that signing in the offseason, uh, partially because I, I didn't know his game as much and partially because of seeing some some of the other guys that got paid uh, roughly the same, like an Otto Porter Jr., I think, for example, got the same deal. Um, but no, I've been super impressed with him. I think his, his shooting has been steadily improving after, I think, if I remember, he started the season off pretty rough, but, but he's kind of improved that a little bit. And uh, I think the biggest thing for him, uh, for this team really, is his athleticism. Uh, he gets up and down the floor really quickly. Uh, he's able to beat guys off the dribble. He uh, finishes through contact pretty well. He's um, good for a, a good, you know, strong, exciting dunk pretty much once every game. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, he's sort of been like their energizer bunny this year. He's basically – perfectly uh filled the gap that was left by malik monk leaving yeah which i mean you can get a guy like that two off seasons in a row uh (laughs) sort of unexpectedly get a guy that can really contribute and put up points in a hurry and uh honestly like not be super inconsistent like he's had a couple of rough games but for the most part you you sort of know what you're expecting from him and then you know every once in a while he'll have a game like this where he's he's going over 20 points and, and really helping you out um, you need those guys, especially on a team where your stars uh, are not super reliable in terms of being on the floor. Um, you need a guy like him to to 
you know, just put up points when LeBron's not playing or when AD is not playing. And, you know, so far Lonnie's been the guy on that, on this roster capable of doing that. He, uh, there's a baseline at the very least of like energy level. He's going to bring night in and night out. And, it might be high energy, low efficiency. It might be high energy, high efficiency. Um, but he's always going to bring it. And I mean, to I know Rob Polinka is uh, not someone that's popular with Lakerland right now. But to his credit, one of the things he said he wanted to do this summer was have a team that played hard. This team plays hard, especially in comparison to last year. Lonnie Walker is often kind of a driving force of that. He's someone that is always attacking, always uh, flying around the court, figuratively yeah. and literally sometimes. Um, and on Sunday, 9 of 15 from the field, like I said, 4 or 5 from 3, he got to the rim, got a couple and ones, drew some fouls. Um, he He's just been – I know there were a couple things that – Myself included, we kind of laughed about uh, during his introductory press conference about his three-point shooting, about his defense. Look, it wasn't good in in San Antonio. Like, like that happened, but to his credit, like he has done everything he needs has needed to do this season. Uh, he's playing yeah. the most minutes of his career, thirty-one minutes. His previous high was twenty-five. Um, he is shooting, a, a, aside from his rookie year, a career best from the three-point line, 35.7. He's doing it on the most attempts he's ever had in a, a per game at over five a game. And he's just been a, a, a positive player, career high in points as well, career high in overall field goal percentage. Like, he's been everything the Lakers need a their taxpayer mid-level ex- exception player to be someone that basically outperforms that contract and trying to find this kind of gym, like hidden in the rough diamond or diamond hidden in the rough, whatever the saying is type of player that they did with Malik Monk. Like you said, he, there was a big Malik Monk sized hole in this lineup and this, this rotation that he stepped in and filled in seamlessly. I mean, they're going to run into the same problem that they had with Malik Monk once he enters free agency. But, um, for now, like he's someone that has been a, a very big bright spot on this team this season. And, um, he's a lot of fun to watch, man, just like Malik was yeah. They're kind of different ways, but, um, Lonnie's just a lot of fun to watch and easy to root for. And, um, I'm glad he's, he's excelling the way he is. Cause he, he just seems like someone that at least here in, in LA is someone that, Play plays hard night in and night out, and you always want those kind of guys to succeed. Yeah, and I, I do feel like um, uh, I feel like his his offensive contributions are probably going to be more overstated because this is a team that just doesn't have enough shooters, and by virtue of him being a decent enough shooter, uh, that that just um, kind of takes the the spotlight, but. Uh, you know, I don't have numbers for this, but anecdotally, it feels like the Lakers' best defensive games are in part led by Lonnie defensively as well. Like, I think he's been really impressive at the point of attack, especially. 
um, being a guy that can kind of get around screens and chase chase some uh, ball handlers on other teams. That's another thing that I just was not really expecting out of him, and I think he's he's done that really really well this season, and yeah, he should he should get a lot of credit for improving that side of his game as well. Yeah, he was not a good defender in San Antonio, and uh, he has been that in LA. So uh, kudos to him. Kudos to the Lakers for finding these types of players again. Um, it's hard to kind of land these types of guys, the guys you feel are kind of underutilized in their current roles and someone you think you can put in a bigger role and see them succeed. And the Lakers have, I mean, it's early on, but the Lakers have um, seem to have done that in back-to-back off seasons. Last person I want to talk about on this half of the podcast before we go to break, we've, we've talked about him a couple times. I Kendrick Nunn. Um, what happened? Like Harrison mentioned this in the Slack. If there was like any theory anyone had as to why he is this bad, because he was not this bad in Miami. He wasn't in the rotation during the playoffs and in the finals, but he played getting them there. How in the world did he become this bad? Listen, I, I already gave my theory on this podcast about the doppelganger, but uh, yeah, it, it's I just, as convincing I, I, as as anything else right now. Yeah, he, his contract makes it that there's a stipulation that he only plays preseason games for the Lakers. So either he has to have an injury for an entire year, or he has to have a doppelganger play in in his place. And the doppelganger has never played basketball in his life. That's an important part of this story or this theory. Um, yeah, this was another very, very rough game for Kendrick Dunn. I think my favorite, favorite quote-unquote part of the game was uh, Russell Westbrook blocking KD. Everybody's like going crazy. <laughs> I know and exactly shot, sh- shot clock's turned off for the rest of the quarter. And Russ is just like screaming. I, I think Max, Max Christie has the ball at first. He's dribbling the ball up kind of fast. Max is like, uh, or Russell Westbrook is like holding up his hand. He's like, yo, hold up. We got to take the last shot in the, uh, for the quarter. I think Chrissy understands that. So he kicks it out to Kendrick Dunn, who's wide open, I guess, to his credit, whatever. Uh, so there's like 16 seconds left on the shot clock. Russ still has his hand up, like, hold up. <laughs> we want to take the last shot of the quarter. And Kendrick Dunn clanks it front rim, wide open. And, and the Nets go down the court, and I think they ended up missing their shot, so it didn't matter. And then the Lakers got another shot at the end of the quarter, too, which is insane. But No, they yeah, did not. Was... I was going to continue that. Kendrick oh, Nunn yes, did yes, not yes, voice yes. it at the end of, because he needs to protect that shooting percentage of 22.9% from the three-point line right now. Oh, my he God. Is, that... He... <laughs> Look, he was a good player in Miami. Even he played his last year there, 29 minutes per game, shot 48% from the field, 38% from three, 93% from the free throw line. This season, I believe these are stats through tonight, 11 games, 13.5 minutes per game, 30.9% from the field, 22.9% from the three-point line, uh, it's 66.7% from the free throw line. He's only, he's two of three. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's inexplicable. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, obviously he missed a year because of injury, but 
he hasn't even shown flashes. Like it's just yeah. been there's been nothing. There were like one or two preseason games where he legitimately did look good. Maybe I guess those were the flashes, but on a yeah, a night when the Lakers <laughs> Yeah. On a night when the Lakers you would have thought really needed him. I mean, they needed him all season long, but like especially without LeBron, like it's just really loud when he when he is missing those shots because at this point they're really wide open. And I'm glad you mentioned that that sequence because I forgot about it. I tweeted it like it blew my mind. He caught the it like the rebound. It like Russ was absolutely livid that they gave up a layup, which fortunately Brooklyn missed. He got the rebound with about four seconds left and then just walked with the ball dribbling it. Like he never even attempted to get down court to shoot or like do even do the thing where you hold it for like a half second too long and throw it up. Then he just didn't even try that. The funniest part of that was that Russ was still so pissed that he didn't even like go to get the ball. He was walking right next to Kendrick. He was. Yeah. And rightfully so that was an absolute abomination of a play. I, I don't mean to belabor the point because I feel like we've talked about it a couple weeks in a row, but man, those are two like examples of how great and how bad the Lakers, they got Malik Monk, right? They got Lonnie Walker, right? I, they did not get Kendrick Nunn, right? Like, I don't know how much this injury um, played into that, but Wolf, it is, I don't even know. And I don't know. Like, I was trying to think, I don't play Matt Ryan over him, I guess. They're not the same type of player. Like, I'd play Scottie Pippen over him, I guess. I don't know. It's like, I, he is a net negative uh, right now and a, a pretty big one right now. So, I, I Matt, just Matt Ryan, know. Matt Ryan would have found a way to shoot six times in the last four seconds of that quarter. <laughs> I'd have been fine if Matt Ryan took the shot that Kendrick Nutton did, even with the shot clock off. Like I didn't, you would not have had to tell him twice to take that shot. He would have been ready to fire away. So, um, I would not be shocked if there is a lot of rumors about packaging him with like a Patrick Beverly to theoretically work out a trade of some sort, uh, because this is that's a lot of money on the Lakers' books that is doing nothing for the Lakers right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if they try to find an upgrade there. Want to talk Russell Westbrook on the court and some Russell Westbrook related news off the court as well here in the second half of this podcast, uh, which we'll do here in just a moment. So let's talk about Russ on the court Sunday. Um, It feels like more or less this kind of honeymoon period of him coming off the bench has worn off a little bit. Um, he's not playing poorly necessarily. Sunday was a weird game and he's having more moments of not great. I know he had a a stretch against the Kings that would be defined as not great to end the first (laughs) half. Um, but on Sunday, I mean, raw stats, 14 points, 12 assists, six rebounds looks good. Uh, he was four of 15 from the field, one of six from the three point line. I could do with less Russ dribbling the ball for 15 seconds and shooting a three possessions uh, and five of six at the free throw line. I, 
he's still, I think, more useful off the bench, and that's the role he needs to be in. But where do you kind of assess where Russ is at now? Um, I think largely speaking, I'm I'm still okay with Russ right now. I think he's playing about as well as you would expect um, on this roster and with sort of the lineups that he plays on. Uh, like you said, today was kind of a weird game. Um, he did a lot of good things. I think uh, the stretch at the beginning of the fourth quarter uh, when AD was on uh, on the bench, uh, Russ was really important for that stretch. I think, I think the Lakers scored like nine points maybe to start that quarter where Russ either scored or assisted all of them. Uh, something like that, maybe even more than nine points. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he has some of those moments. He also has some moments where um, it goes the other way, which is sort of like what we mostly expected the Russ experience to be when he got traded to the Lakers before it was like all bad. Um, he, had, he had some moments this game where I thought he sort of took that like personal battle against KD a little too seriously i guess where he was dribbling the air out of the ball and trying to go one-on-one on kd and it wasn't really working um defensively i think it was also a poor game from him uh especially losing uh utah watanabe like nine million times in in one game that was a little rough but in terms of you know playmaking and getting his guys to the right spot i, I thought he did a good job with that he had uh, in the first half alone, I think he had a couple of really nice pick and roll plays with uh, Wenny and Gabriel. He had some nice reads to Troy Brown Jr., which it feels like he does every game. Um, and his his two man game with AD as well was was really nice. Again, part of this is the Nets defense was abysmal and kind of let the Lakers do whatever they wanted to do. But still, you got to make the right reads, and and I think Russ was generally doing that uh, when he wasn't kind of just going into ISO mode. Um, I guess, largely speaking, that's sort of uh, like the metaphor for his entire game with the Lakers and wherever else he goes. I think uh, he has a lot of peaks and valleys in his game. Um, And the Lakers have this season at least put him in a uh, position where he is able to get the most out of his game, I think, uh, that he can currently and sort of limit the the weaknesses and and those poor moments and and how much they impact the team for the most part i think that's true um whether that means that you know i think everything with russ eventually leads to uh should they trade him or not and i know we're going to talk about that um and i think it these days it's less about how he's playing uh in terms of uh, uh, whether they should trade him or not, but more of what is the opportunity of of trading him and, and potentially getting other useful pieces and stuff. My favorite quote so far from post game: um, Kevin Durant, I'm being defended by Lakers Russell Westbrook. Quote: He's just going to hack me the whole time. He's been doing that since we were 18 or 19. Um, Russ enjoyed that matchup. Um, <laughs> He may be a little too much, basically, at times. Um, He, um, as you were saying, there was a stretch in the fourth quarter where he scored or assisted on 11 straight points. uh, And then, as you said, AD checked into the game after that. Um, So... 
he was very valuable in that regard. Um, I don't know that he's it, it. Like you said, it doesn't really matter at this point what he does on the court. Like it's going to be a matter of what he can bring you in a trade, which um, they're, the options aren't changing right now. Uh, the newest one, or not even newest, the revisited one, is that uh, the Lakers r- reportedly, according to Jake Fisher of um, – Yahoo Sports now. I was going to say Bleacher Report. He's with Yahoo Sports now. Uh, He basically reported that the Lakers still have interest in Bojan Bogdanovic, um, who was traded to Detroit this offseason after the Donovan Mitchell trade. It seemed like it uh, ruled out a potential um, trade for... Anyone like I, I thought you, he couldn't be traded again. Uh, apparently, that's not the case. I'm not going to pretend to have any understanding of the CBA. Um, so, according to Fisher, that that that's still a possibility. Um, I wrote about it today. That is a interesting trade scenario uh, because. There is not a lot else Detroit can offer other than um, Bogdanovich. Uh, the other pieces of players that are currently playing is uh, the Alec Burks, who I believe is recovering from injury right now. Um, someone that, in theory, could help, uh, but not someone that has been productive this season necessarily. Uh, and then Nerland's Noel, who is just out of the rotation entirely. I don't know how much interest the Lakers have in going after a big man that also has flaws like Damian Jones has been a really bad fit. Uh, I don't know if um, Nerland's Noel is any better. Uh, theoretically, Kimball Walker could be included in that deal in place of one of those guys. Kimball Walker has not even shown up in Detroit as far as I know. Um, and Marvin Bagley, the third could be theoretically included in there. He got injured in the first game of the season, has not played since. Um, it was a three to four week injury, so I'd imagine soonish he would be returning. So maybe that makes it more interesting. Having laid all that out, I, I would also say that this probably would not take both first round picks. This seems like a half measure of sorts, however, you feel on that. Having laid all that out, does that type of trade appeal to you in any way? Um, I don't know. I'm a little, little conflicted on this because, so I, th- I think the most likely trade here would be 
Bogdanovich, Noel, and Alec Burks for yes. Westbrook and whatever picks and whatever has to happen. Um, so in the offseason, uh, one of my quote-unquote like favorite-ish trade ideas was effectively the same thing, except it would have been uh, Evan Fournier instead of Bogdanovich because they would have been coming straight from the Knicks to the Lakers. Part of the reason I liked that trade was because I didn't think the Lakers would have had to move picks for that because um, I thought they would really be helping the Knicks out by taking some long-term contracts off their books, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, in terms of, I guess, the players themselves, Nerlens Noel is somebody that I, I, I used to like a decent amount. Right now, it does not really interest me. He is perennially injured. Uh, got some of the worst hands in the league, which seems like a, a tough issue for a LeBron team uh, and a Russ. Well, I guess Russ wouldn't be here, but uh, a LeBron team in terms of you know getting the ball and, and getting up. Plus, there's the whole awkward situation of him, like I think, still suing yeah. Clutch Sports. So <laughs> yeah, pr- probably probably not a guy that would stick around on the roster. Who knows? Um, but I do like Bogdanovich and Alec Burks quite a quite a bit Bogdanovich especially he's, he's a guy that's I think he's averaging 20 points a game this year um and, and is a really good shooter um doesn't do a whole lot else he you know he's able to like attack closeouts and put the ball on the floor but it's not really going to be playmaking for you not really rebounding or defending for you but uh decent decent uh uh player in terms of his offensive output and then uh at least some size I guess is is a positive for this team uh, and then Alec Burks is another guy who can like put the ball on the floor, uh, a little bit of a like a sneaky playmaker, um, decent defender. I feel like at the point of attack, maybe not amazing, but um, and he's able to get to the free throw line uh, pr- pretty well as well. So I think both of those guys would be good additions to the Lakers. Does that necessarily turn them into something? significantly better than what they are right now i don't think so i mean like i think it would help in in the case of just like having two more rotation players uh or i guess one more rotation player if you're substituting russ for bogdanovich and burks like that that is a positive and maybe that you know puts uh some of the role players on the current team into better positions you know like a guy like troy brown doesn't necessarily need to start and he can be an energy guy off the bench in those terms, I think it's good. I don't think it's as uh, as much of a high ceiling move as a Buddy Hield or uh, Buddy Hield and Miles Turner trade would be, which I guess would be my preference right now. But obviously, it would not cost as much to go for the Bogdanovich trade. Um, so I guess it's kind of weighing options and whether or not you think either of them make the Lakers a, a contender or not. It's kind of hard to make the case that anything does when they're a what yeah. three and ten team. <laughs> So I was looking, Alec Burks did actually return on Friday um, from a fractured left foot. He did not play Saturday as part of a back-to-back, but he's going to play Monday. So he's back. Um, I is Does swapping out Nerland's Noel for a Kimba Walker or a... Um, I don't know that they'd be interested in trading Marvin Bagley. Is there any Kimba Walker interest? I, I I don't know if he's been bought out or not. Is it is there any interest there, especially if they trade Russ and suddenly have a um hole at the point guard position a little bit? Not not really. 
to be honest with you. I, I feel like Kemba's pretty washed up, and the Lakers have a lot of guards. Dennis Schroeder should be coming back soon. He said he was going to play either against the Kings or today, but he didn't. He's uh, actually – he, theoretically, I missed it. He was waived by the Pistons, so it's not even a okay. – uh, uh, he's not even on the roster at this point. Money wise, he would have made sense, but I mean, the reason he hasn't been picked up by anybody, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was, I just looked that up to, to see it. I, I I don't know. I didn't want him anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, would you rather have Kimball Walker or Kendrick Nunn right now? Oh, don't do that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I feel like probably Kemba, honestly. Yeah, I'd I'd roll the dice versus Kendrick Nunn right now. Um, So I guess Kimba isn't an option. but And I wouldn't think Marvin Bagley is an option. They just re-signed him. Um, He's actually decent. And so I don't know that they would really have any interest in trading him. Um, Not until they know what they have with him. It's still really early. So I, I would imagine that there isn't actually um, any variance in this. It would have to be the package of Burks, Noel, and uh, Bogdanovich, obviously. So um, I that doesn't do a lot for me. That that like I said, that feels like a a half measure, which. I would rather the Lakers just do nothing than to just kind of halfway do something. Uh, Both Burks and Noel have team options for next season, so they could be free agents. Uh, Bogdanovich is signed um, through 23-24 and is non-guaranteed for 24-25. So you'd have him for a little bit, but I... I, I like Bogdanovich, and this season he's playing really well. Um, he's shooting lights out from the three-point line and just overall has been really good this season. I just don't know that he really changes a lot for the Lakers. 20.3 points on 43% shooting. He gives you a really good, reliable shooter, but the Lakers aren't like a really good, reliable shooter away from being anything, yeah. really. like They'd be an average team, maybe, but... That is that worth giving up a pick to be average? I at this point, I don't think so. I think the Lakers kind of need to prove that they're better than average right now, and that trade kind of puts you closer to contention, which seems like they're far away from. So, I I don't I like Bogdanovich a lot. Maybe if they could work some type of three team trade out to where they're getting something else other than Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel. I would have more interest in it, but that deal from the Pistons right now doesn't do a lot for me. We'll see. I mean, Bogdanovich, if he can be dealt, it would be really interesting if the Pistons are down to trade him because they didn't give up a lot for him. And if they can flip him for something of value, then that would be, it'll be interesting to see how they do that one. Of note about the Lakers getting better though, uh, this was mentioned after the game. I believe Lonnie Walker kind of insinuated that Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant very well could be back on Friday. So I want to close on that. What could those two guys bring to the Lakers that haven't hasn't been there through the first couple weeks of the season? 
well, I think with Thomas Bryan, it's, it's kind of easy uh, to say. He's a guy that can just eat up minutes at the five spot, uh, which helps AD out in terms of keeping him a little bit healthier, uh, not having to uh, get beat up by, by bigger guys as much. Um, plus it, you know, it moves everybody down a position if, if Thomas Bryant is really starting or, or playing a lot of minutes next to AD, but it put, uh, moves everybody down a position. LeBron can play the three. It, it really limits uh, the number of minutes where they're playing smaller guys on, on big wings across the league. Um, if, you know, if they play those types of lineups and if Thomas Bryant uh, sort of proves that, that he is um, capable of playing those minutes. Um, on top of that, he's a guy who theoretically can can shoot the ball, which should help with some spacing issues that this team has. Um, so all of that would be a positive. Obviously, they'd have to work on the defensive side of that ball because uh, he's he's not a great defender, and um, they'll have to work around that if if he's going to have to be the sort of the centerpiece um, in those sort of situations. Uh, with Dennis, I think it's a little bit harder to really pinpoint exactly. Um, what his role is going to be. Uh, I think he could be one of the better guards on this team and is deserving of minutes because of that. Uh, whether that ends up being as a starter or a bench player, uh, what kind of lineups he plays in uh, and, and where he fits best, that's going to be um, that's going to be really interesting to find out because especially like I, th- I think we sort of expected him to be uh, a six man possibly. And now that Russ is in that role, are they going to be able to play together? Um, or should Dennis start? Um, does that move Patrick Beverly like completely out of the rotation? I don't know. Um, I think on an optimal Lakers team with the current roster, I, I see Dennis as probably a starter, Russ as the bench guy, and then Patrick Beverly is more of like a uh, special circumstances <laughs> <laughs> uh, point guard than than somebody that's like consistently in the rotation probably. Well, I can look right now at the box score, and if Dennis Schroeder's playing Friday, there are ten minutes and thirty five seconds that went to Kendrick Nunn that are immediately going to go to Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Uh, or excuse me, Dennis Schroeder. It's Patrick Beverly's minutes that I think might be eaten into the most. Uh, you can kind of play a game of who has it that night between him and Dennis Schroeder. Uh, yeah. And play one of them more. I think that would fluctuate a bit. Um, but yeah, Dennis Schroeder is going to have a a, a decent sized role in this team, I think. Um, and he, I mean, I don't know how much it matters now after he's had an injury. He played really well at EuroLeague or EuroBasket. Um, he looked good. He obviously has the familiarity of playing with LeBron and AD. So um, he'll bring a, a level of energy to the team as well. I, I mean, he would work. I, I was going to say he'd work well off the bench. He almost won six man of the year off the bench. So obviously he's familiar with that yeah. role too. So um, I think he could inst- like immediately come in and make an impact um, on the rotation. And I think he's probably going to stay in the rotation barring something drastic like he's someone the Lakers I think really thought or really think is going to have a big role there's going to be nights as well where I mean the Darvin Ham has kind of made it clear through his rotations as well that if Russ doesn't have it he's not going to play him either so there's going to be nights that that Schroeder plays over Russ as well so 
it just gives them more variety at the point guard position because there's been a lot of times that Pat Bev and Russ haven't had it, but they haven't had as many other guys to turn to, especially with Kendrick Nunn being what he is. With Thomas Bryant, I I mean, he's the I did not expect Damian Jones to just be entirely out of the rotation at this point. I thought there'd be a bit more of a competition there. Um, yeah. He would probably eat into some of winning Gabriel's minutes. You know AD could use a break right now, so I'm sure if possible he would eat into some of those minutes. The Lakers have been playing a lot of lineups with like four guards and winning Gabriel or four guards and AD. So just taking some of those minutes out and letting AD play the four or winning Gabriel play the four, uh, that's an easy spot where you can find minutes. Maybe, I mean, it's unorthodox, but maybe you take some of Max Christie's 20 minutes on uh, Sunday and some of those would go to Thomas Bryant in a bigger lineup versus playing four guards uh, around a big. So Thomas Bryant's going to get a look. He obviously provides some spacing. and the Lakers had, I mean, he's another guy the Lakers had in mind a pretty big role coming into the season. So uh, we'll see if he's able to to fulfill that role or fill in that role. Um, it's not a guarantee that either are going to be back. But Darvin Ham did say last week that both um, had been reevaluated. There hasn't been an update since. I would suspect the two are probably going to be practicing this week. And that's one of the benefits of um, having a, just this odd week of practice is that you can bring those two along through a week of practice and then have them ready to play theoretically in the game on Friday. If not, they play on Sunday as well. I would think by the time we speak next week, um, those two will probably have played a game, at least one game. So they're close. Uh, That's the benefit of, like I said, the Lakers having a week off. Honey, you have any last thoughts about that or about the game or anything else that went on tonight? Uh, no. Uh, all I'm hearing right now is that the Lakers won a game. They're getting two important players back, and that means that the season starts tonight. Yeah, absolutely. The season can finally start on Sunday, November 14th, or excuse me, November 13th. Um the season has officially begun. So uh, excited to the, evaluate this team. <laughs> we finally can start that 20 game window, right? That starts now. Um, yeah, exactly. The, <laughs> the, uh, the, well, this upcoming stretch as well is going to take the Lakers through that window. This is a big stretch. They have a very favorable schedule. They're going to have to really turn it up a notch to, uh, to really start. If they're going to do anything, which is uncertain if they are, they're going to have to start turning it up right now. So it's going to be interesting to see if this is kind of a momentum builder. Uh, It is a really nice way to head into this week, have some positive momentum, uh, and we'll see if it it, the season might start now or we might have a Mike D'Antoni situation where it'll start 15 times uh, during the season. But it was a fun one on Sunday. Uh, Unfortunately, we have to wait a week before the next one, but – We will have coverage throughout this week on this network, so be sure you guys are subscribed uh, wherever you are listening to us at. We'll be back next week to recap another game. Um, I believe they might play the Suns. I don't have the schedule pulled up, but I know they play again on Sunday. We'll have the recap of that. And until then, for Hani, this is Jacob saying see you guys later.